Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, honey, and welcome to Compassion Radio's 360. We've got a whole new one for you today. Yeah, it's about time. We've done some reruns lately, but we're back in the saddle, I think. (laughs) Compassion Radio 360 is more about a look at the world as it really is, but also bringing it back to the spiritual lessons as they really are in what might seem like hopeless situations and inspiration in places that might seem like they offer nothing to us that would be inspiring. Mm -hmm. And yet it's there. And... (laughs) This this topic this week got me tickled when I first started thinking about it. I can imagine all of these strange scenarios that come out of people's interpretation of the situation they're in based upon this syndrome that we're going to discuss today. We have a lot of things now that are diagnosable syndromes. And often they're mocked by people who don't know what they mean. Exactly. And so this is not a syndrome that is a medical condition or even a mental health condition, but it can lead to some issues. Like obsessive compulsive people that have that kind of tendency would lead to obsession that might be counterproductive for sure. But it has to do with how you see yourself Mm -hmm. and what you believe about yourself and how that has consequences. I've come to believe as an adult that pretty much everything I believe has an effect on my behavior, Mm -hmm. good or bad. Well, the topic today is something called imposter syndrome. I do believe strongly that it is a real thing because I believe also (laughs) I have struggled with this. I'm just going to jump right off the bat and give it a definition. Basically, imposter syndrome is doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud in where you are and being overly critical of yourself in your job position, in your ministry position, in your life position. And just feeling like a fraud. And I would say it's a syndrome because it's not just thinking critically about what you have done or feeling guilty for something you've done in the past. It is a total judgment of yourself Mm -hmm. that defines everything. So if you really are encompassed by and closed by a view of yourself, which is not necessarily true, then it is going not just to color everything. It's going to affect everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This article reminded me of a far side cartoon that you used to love. And it was an elephant sitting at a grand piano. Yeah, on a tiny little piano. On bench. a tiny little piano bench. And he has this look of terror on his face. And the, there's a thought bubble above his head. And he says, what am I doing? I'm a flautist for crying out loud. The elephant's nightmare. He's <laughs> truly an imposter in this situation. But that kind of what reminded me of this, we get into situations where obviously he was esteemed to be in that spot (laughs) on this concert piano, but he felt like maybe he didn't deserve to be there, that he had other things that he should be doing instead of playing the piano. And I think we've all struggled with that some ways in our lives. That cartoon is safe because it's obviously a ridiculous scenario, but... The elephant, if you can identify with him, he's having a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So it's not real. We all know that just by looking at the frame. He's having a nightmare. We could say, that's pretty funny because I've had nightmares like that too. But then other people might say, this is my living reality. And that's where we go into this issue. So if you were to explain a scenario now that is pretty common for an imposter syndrome, how would you describe it? Well, a person might feel they were a fraud or an imposter in a situation where they really loved their job. Mm -hmm. They really love what they're doing. And I've heard people say, I can't believe that I get to do this for a living. I get Mm -hmm. to do this job. I hope no one finds out that I'm really not as qualified as they think I am. It comes from a place of being taught whether 
overtly or covertly that we should never think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And you're probably doing that thing. And you're probably doing that. You're probably thinking more highly of yourself than you should. And it's a humility issue. You know, Mm -hmm. you're in this position because you tricked a lot of people to get there somehow. I can see people in high power office job situations who are working really hard at what they're doing and maybe really should get paid more than they're getting paid, but because they don't think they deserve it because they feel like a fraud or an imposter and they're not as qualified as everyone thinks, they don't ask for a raise. They don't ask for time off. They don't take their even allotted paid time off sometimes because... They don't want to be perceived they don't as being want to be... selfish. Exactly. Yeah. The article you chose here centers around office issues, but mm-hmm. the imposter syndrome is not something just constrained to a business environment or just about no. finances, no. although it can have a, a big impact on your earning potential over years if you don't believe you're really worth what you're earning yeah. and therefore convince other people of that very thing, mm-hmm. whether subtly or overtly. Yeah. And therefore, you don't make the money that other people in your position would. So just in that one example of finances, especially in a, a market right now, which is full of inflation, being able to stick up for yourself appropriately is a survival skill. It's mm-hmm. not just a, an issue of your pride. Yeah. yeah. So it is important for those who are breadwinners for their families to consider what does the market really bear? Am I earning what I need to earn for the people I love and for my own satisfaction, peace of mind? Or am I always under? Am I always not earning enough for what my lifestyle requires and therefore I'm going deeper in debt or other things that happen to people who don't step up and say, I am worth this and I should pursue it. Those things are real threats to families. Right. Actually, one of the signs of imposter syndrome is that you refuse to ask for a raise and you refuse to step up into that place because you feel like a fraud. But you overcompensate for that by buying into trendy things, you know, trying to look the part. And even if you don't feel the part and overspending is a difficult situation that so many people get themselves into. We have done that in the past where we just think, oh, we need these things because that's what we want and looks good or whatever. Another thing is overworking. Mm -hmm. I mean, just working, working, working so you can prove that you really do deserve this position that you're in. Even if your boss has said enough, go home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was saying don't take your paid time off because you feel like, oh, if I do that, then, you know, I'm not doing the job I'm supposed to be doing and people are going to catch on. Let's talk about things that are not just job related, I mean, but they're about passions. They're about your meaningful things in life or about ministry. I mean, if you go into a church and you're part of a family of God somewhere and this is your community, you're involved to whatever level you choose to be in there. But people who have an imposter syndrome often will go the extra, extra, extra mile to go beyond what Jesus asked for. Mm. And insist on being involved with something to the point of distraction and end up becoming destructive to relationships and to opportunities for other in ministry because they're the ones feeding their own fear rather than listening to God about what he really wanted them to do or where to apply the gifts he gave them Mm -hmm. in the body, together with the body, as a partner with others in the body. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the telltale signs is person in leadership that has imposter syndrome is that they have difficulty delegating jobs to other people or trusting them or trusting them to finish it. And they're micromanaging. That's one of the things that says if you are a micromanager, you might look at whether or not you are struggling with imposter syndrome, because if you think that only you can do it right and you have to do everything over or make sure everything's perfect, then that's a pretty difficult spot to be in. Okay. For a number of years in our marriage, you had not gone into the workforce, but we did homeschooling and you were a teacher and everything else inside the home, plus managing house finances and doing all kinds of stuff and volunteering at church. You had four or five hats you wore for all those years that our kids were going through this. Mm-hmm. 
how would that imposter syndrome manifest itself, do you think, for people that are in your position? Because I'm sure there are lots of people that are listening to our program. They're probably living that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. One parent is probably staying home to focus on the kids for a number of years, while the other is the breadwinner. I think because I had lived single for a lot of years before, and I had to provide for myself and make sure that my bills were paid and that sort of thing. And I had chosen an educational path that would lead me toward a career. Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't in that career, feeling like I wasn't contributing to the household in the bill paying area was difficult for me because I felt sometimes like I had to overperform in the house and overmanage things. I'm not the best housekeeper, so I won't say a clean house all the time, but It was important to me to make sure that things were in order. I guess I just often felt like someone was going to find out that I wasn't really good at any of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Namely your family? (laughs) Namely, yeah, I guess. (laughs) There's a lot to be said about even those who aren't in the workforce, per se, out in the world, but in the workforce in their homes. As someone who's in a relationship with somebody who's confessed to this, I would say that the struggle anyone would have outside that bubble is even if you're married to that person, offering encouragement and praising the things they do as they are valuable to you and showing the worth to you will not necessarily puncture that bubble Mm -hmm. and convince that person otherwise. Mm -hmm. That was tough because when you're speaking words of life into somebody and it's not being received at that moment in the way you think they ought to be, that can be a real struggle for any couple. And you and I have gone through some episodes of that. I think that anyone with an overwhelming sense of loss of control in their lives will gravitate toward this. The feelings of not measuring up And the feelings of being found out that you're really not capable of managing things. I grew up with a mom who was very meticulous in so many ways in our home. And that's just not my personality. It's hard to separate a personality trait from an expectation that you think is on you. That was a big struggle for me. The expectation was that I would have this home that was run a certain way because that's how I grew up. When you're not able to accomplish what you think is the goal, you work really hard to make it look like that's what's happening. And to the image you have of how your parents ran their house. Sure, Yeah. sure. All right, turnabout's fair play here because I have certainly gone through episodes myself of feeling like I'm an imposter in the role of dad and husband where I'm not being effective in communicating or in leading or in serving or all the things that I read in the Word of God are required of a husband. And felt like, how do you express that? How do you say, I feel like I'm failing at this job? When it's not really a job, it's your identity. I mean, who I am as a man is wrapped up in what I do for work and who loves me and who I love. That's pretty much it. And if any of those particular elements seem to be out of whack in your own heart and mind and you're afraid of losing them because you're not performing up to what you think is necessary to serve them, how do you confess that without sounding like you're just bringing up something to create a fight or to fetch compliments to build Mm -hmm. up your ego? I've gone through that too over the years, and I still struggle at times with, am I doing enough to make this marriage work or to get through this problem or to take care of something for you so you don't have the pressure on your head and heart? In the past two or three years, I think for all of America and the world, it's been kind of like that. There's like a whole bunch of added weights on everybody. We all have to juggle them, and we have all the other stuff we already had going on. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw, to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. 
they were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. And you can text Serve Ukraine. that's one word, to 53445 to make a gift right now through your phone. And make sure to let your friends know about that option, too. And now, back to our discussion. I still struggle at times with, am I doing enough to make this marriage work or to get through this problem or to take care of something for you so you don't have the pressure on your head and heart? In the past two or three years, I think for all of America and the world, it's been kind of like that. There's like a whole bunch of added weights on everybody. We all have to juggle them. And we have all the other stuff we already had going on mm. before that time that we're still working through. And you and I, of course, are working through a transition of life, going to a new state and building a home and trying to settle in for the first time in like a very long time. All that stuff is big stuff. But I am also encouraged by reading this article that, you know what, God has answered some of those questions for me. But not just by changing my mind, but by warming my heart to some truths about him and my identity. Mm -hmm. That is the antidote. I'm not saying that it's an answer like we just change our mind. Because these are deeply held emotions. People that are stuck in imposter syndrome will not believe somebody who tells them they're good at something. Mm -hmm. They just can't. Because to admit that would mean I have been wrong all this time about who I thought I was. And that can be devastating to step into that place of, wait a minute, I've been that way off base about me? Well, then what am I? Yeah. If you come to the realization that some of these things are happening for you, there are some steps you can take to kind of get you over that hump. Are you overcompensating for things? Are you a perfectionist? Are you feeling on the edge of panic or anger because things aren't lining up the way you want them to line up. I mean, there's so many things that feed into this imposter syndrome. You feel like you have to be Superman, Superwoman. Or someone like your boss has stepped in to say, hey, you got to apply for this thing when you're scared to death about doing it. Mm -hmm. And they believe in you and they're recommending you for it, but Mm -hmm. you feel like you're being set up to fail. Yeah. So I read a few articles that had to do with imposter syndrome. Most of them were from the secular world, which is something that we want to look at and investigate. And then say, God, what do you want us to know about this? And bring this into our lives as believers and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us truth. To test the spirit, they say, and to understand, discern what is truth and what is just convenient. Yes. So I'm going to sum it up with here are the five big imposter syndrome personality traits. The perfectionist, always seeking perfection in things, never getting things 100% right or never feeling like things are done well. Superwoman or Superman. You're the one who has to do everything, and you're the strongest of the bunch. The natural genius would be someone who wants to do everything right the first time through. The soloist, I can do it on my own, not asking for help. And the expert, knowing a ton of stuff about a lot of things and thinking that you have to be brought into all the situations. So that's the five types, basically. Basically, they're all personality types that want to have an answer for everything. Yeah, so... 
there's a way to walk through these things. And first of all, you can like identify what freedom would look like for you. Mm. Identify where the self-doubt is. If I could wake up tomorrow without any self-doubt, what would that look like? You know, you and I have talked about this very thing in a number of different contexts, and we always call it holy imagination. Yes. It yeah, is, that's a good word for it. Yeah, be able to see something that is not yet, yeah. but that can be and should be based upon the person that we really are in Christ and the power that's available to us in Christ. Mm-hmm. If we really are believers and say he is our highest love and our highest honor, and he's the one that gives us meaning and purpose in life, and he will hold us until he receives us in heaven someday. If we really believe that, or at least want to believe that, then we have to at least be willing to listen to what he has to say about approaching these things. Yeah. This publication called Fishing for Truth has put this out, saying these are some steps that can cure <laughs> imposter syndrome. I don't know about the cure, but I know that's a good way to visualize things, like you talked about, this holy imagination to at least give yourself some space to consider yeah, an that you could be doing this. And then just identify negative messages in your head, what those are, what that looks like. I am thinking negatively about myself in these ways. So the first step, again, was dealing with imagining something better. Right. And the second one was what's holding me back from that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then go back to when did I start thinking these things about myself? Identify the source of that. If you can go that far back in your memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then you look as a mature adult. I'm a grown-up now. If that Mm. happened when I was a child, this message started happening. I'm a grown-up now. How would a mature adult respond to that message? Yeah. Not allowing yourself to go back and be six years old and getting railed by your parents or so something. So again, imagining teacher. something about your maturity that you may not feel yet. Yes. Okay. So what would a mature adult yeah. do in this situation? And then proclaim a mature perspective about this situation. A mature adult would have understood and believed what about this situation? Yeah. Again, more holy imagination. Yeah. And then just choose the truth of who you are. I choose to disbelieve these negative things and this particular lie because I believe these positive things and these truthful things about myself. Okay, there's going to be you know minority report here saying, wait a minute, I've always believed the stuff about myself forever. How am I going to change in a flash? Again, it's mm. not about just changing your mind. This is about choosing for the moment to set aside those mm-hmm. things and say, I'm going to choose in this moment, for this one thing at least, to experiment here, to make a different choice for this thing. Yes. Not about everything in your life. Right. Because the person who has always been a perfectionist, who has been living in this world, if they doubt tomorrow or they repeat a habit again, they'll say, I have totally failed. I will never be any different. Mm-hmm. And they'll go right back to that source of that negative thought process. Mm-hmm. They're not going to say, wow, I succeeded once. I don't think this is a one-time operation. No, I think this is a daily practice for you for a time being. Right. Now, there will come a day when you're like, no, I, I did this. I've walked, th- I've done this. Yeah. I've done the work. I'm not going to go back to this place. I can move on and identify other negative feelings that are coming at me. And, okay, here's that same one. No, I'm going to put that one aside because I've already dealt with that as a mature adult. Now here's some other ones that are coming in. Talk about the weight on the scales. Mm-hmm. You've got a, a barrel full of pebbles that have been every negative thought and belief you've had about yourself mm-hmm. all your life. And on the other side is an empty barrel of all the positive things that are supposed to counter that. Mm-hmm. How long is it going to take you to reach in there and pull out a pebble and stick it into the other side? As long as it takes. As long as it takes. And it will be forever, it seems, before the weight of the positive in your life outweighs the negative 
on the scales, mm. not in you, but on the scales, the way you sit back and look at your life. Well, there may come a time when you have to just go push the bucket over. Exactly. <laughs> but the courage to do that, is, to, to go yeah, the extra huge. mile, to do the big thing, to transform your life and to say no and cut and run from the thing mm-hmm. you believe about yourself before, that courage has to build up to. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is that when we're facing the opportunity to make a little change about one decision for the day, it does not mean we're now becoming a different kind of imposter. It means that we're trying something new on behalf of ourselves because it's okay. In fact, it's right and just to love yourself the way Jesus does mm-hmm. and to choose for yourself and for those you love something that will benefit them. And when you're talking about a job, your goodwill toward the company and your goodwill towards yourself will always build more productivity and will always bless those you're serving. Mm -hmm. So to think well of yourself and of the people you serve will always bring benefits, always bring more fruit. I believe that. And the same thing's true about the way we change our behavior in the fruit of the Spirit. If we learn kindness and we start actually expressing kindness, even when it feels so unfamiliar to us, we stop sniping at people, we stop Mm -hmm. being so negative or critical of others a habit we've learned for many years, changing that one decision at a time eventually produces great fruit in your life and the life of others. Mm -hmm. We know that to be objectively true, but it happens because we made one choice for one day for one thing, and we didn't feel like a failure if it didn't instantly transform our lives. Mm -hmm. It made a difference today. There are so many great scriptures that are supposed to encourage us, that are supposed to help us believe what God believes about us. Things like... John 1.12, that I am God's child, and as a disciple, I'm a friend of Jesus Christ, says John 15.15. I'm secure, like in Romans 8.1 and 2, I am free from condemnation. I'm assured that God works for my good in every circumstance. That's in Romans 8.28. And about significance, John 15.5, that says, I am a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, and therefore a channel of his life. And John fifteen sixteen, which says, I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Ephesians two ten, which says, I am God's workmanship, and God makes good things. And Ephesians three twelve, which says, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. But the big question comes next do we really do we really believe these things are true for us? I think it's going back to what we've talked about so many times on the broadcast. We ask God what he wants us to know Mm -hmm. about our situation. And this goes along with our emotional life, the things that we've come to believe about ourselves that are lies. We have to replace those lies with the truth of who God says I am and what God has done in these situations and Mm -hmm. how he's involved himself in our lives. And I think that's a really difficult practice to, oh, to yeah. remember when you're in the heat of emotion. Mm-hmm. However, it is a practice that is beneficial in so many ways. Yeah. It can lengthen your life. Yeah. And make the years you have much more meaningful and pleasant. Mm-hmm. So there's great hope in that truth. But there's also that scary first step of saying, I've got to think about this, really think about it, and not be panicked. Yeah. And make a choice today. Mm-hmm. But you got to imagine something better. You got to actually say to yourself, why did it happen? Why do I believe these things about myself? And why am I afraid of accepting a challenge that's different or beyond what I think I'm capable of? Mm-hmm. Why do I not ask for that raise? Why do I not talk honestly with my spouse about my feelings of inadequacy right now and be willing to accept their encouragement? All those things. Why do those things happen? And actually asking God to help you sort it out. 
when we do that, I think we open new doors of opportunity because we jumped into a relationship, a cooperative partnership with God in those kind of changes, allowing him to talk and us to listen and him to hear us when we have something to say back. Conversation on the spiritual level. And being honest with each other becomes possible because we believe that being heard by somebody that loves us is possible. So all of these things, it's a virtuous cycle. Whether it's your job, whether it's your family, whether it's your church, whatever it is in your life, friends, our challenge and encouragement to you is if you feel like an imposter, talk it out. Talk it out with God and pay attention to those things, the truth, and let it get close to you again. I think that's all we have time for today on Compassion Radio 360. I hope that we have encouraged you somehow to take a little deeper dive into your own life and your own mental processes about who you are. And just know that God wants to reveal himself to you. Yeah. And we want him to get into you so far that you know he loves you. And we're praying for you, too. But we'll pray about the people that are hearing this program today. Drop us a line at CompassionRadio.com anytime, friends. Thanks for joining us. Follow the voice of my salvation. I'm still tied up head to toe. God sent me brothers and sisters. To lose me and let me go like Lazarus unwound. For a true believer, Lazarus unwound. So I'm alive again. I'm gonna be set free. With a little help, my friend. I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna run. I'm gonna see, see, I'm gonna see, yes, I'm gonna see like Lazarus unwind. We're busy right now helping with immediate needs in Ukraine. Help us help them today with your gift. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com.